G'day guys, it's Coach here. Hope you're all doing well. We are doing all things Broken Realms. We're kicking this off with Broken Realms Marathi, but we're not talking George Kane. We are talking Ideneth Deepkin, and uh, my very special guest is going to be uh, Seasons of War, absolute veteran of the Deepkin. It is Jordan. G'day, Jordan. How are you, mate? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about our, our fish elves. Mate, mate, haven't you guys got a few little sneaky changes that have come through this book? Yeah, nothing, nothing but uh, good changes for us, which is nice. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. No, Deepkin have gotten an absolute awesome little benefit uh, when it comes to this particular book. So I'm excited to chat to you and kind of find out how this is kind of changing your your list building. For sure. Um, first things, I guess, uh, I think you're, I don't know if your screen's frozen up or if my screen's frozen up, but we'll see how we go here. Um, I thought I'd just ask, first off, how did you get into Sigma? Why did you set up the channel? And why Deepkin? I guess maybe get a bit of, a, a bit of an introduction from yourself. <laughs> For sure. So um, how I got into the hobby, uh, like a lot of us, I got in when I was younger uh, as a kid with my brothers. And, you know, we played a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, building painting models. I have, you know, remnants of like 10 different armies I started and never finished. Um, but my biggest army uh, back in the day was High Elves. And, you know, like many people took a, took a long break from uh, kind of the hobby for a number of years. Uh, just getting back into it uh, about two years ago, um, it, getting back into Warhammer at least, um, two years ago and just from some friends reintroducing me and, you know, kind of always, you know, picked up models and painted them every few years, but really in terms of diving back into the hobby in full, yeah, it was just a couple of years ago. So um, I came back uh, just after it would have been, or, or recently after the uh, first general's handbook. So I didn't have to deal with any of the, you know, issues of uh, no points and, and all that uh, trouble uh, that, that that caused, but, I came back into the hobby in a great time where things were looking good and everyone was happy about the game and loving it. And so it was super exciting to, to get started when I did. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's very in cool. In terms of the channel. Oh. No, continue, please, and change the channel. So yeah, in terms of, in terms of the channel, um, I started you know, planning to do the channel you know, pretty soon after I got into it. I have uh, a bit of a video editing background, so obviously I've been able to kind of use those skills um, for, for the channel here, um, with the battle reports. So I just really was, you know, when I was getting started back in the hobby, I was getting ready to start doing some events and trying to consume all the content I could, whether it's, uh, you know, talks like this one or, um, battle reports and whatnot. And I found that when I was looking and getting started, there weren't a lot of, um, battle reports that necessarily took, uh, the strategic tactical approach to the game. Um, so that's something I, I kind of was looking for myself. Um, so eventually when I got more experienced and wanted to start doing my own, that's why I kind of gravitated towards that way. You know, I saw, have, have many inspirations, one like Honest Wargamer with their kind of tactical overhead coverage. I love uh, the overhead camera of being able to show the movement and positioning because that's such a big part of the game. Um, but, you know, obviously there's a, an entertainment value as to it as well. And even, um, 
while they're not the most tactical, like mini wargaming is an hour from where I grew up. Um, and I grew up, you know, not grew up, but I watched a ton of their battle reports and whatnot. Um, and, you know, love seeing close-ups of the models and, and that kind of thing. So that's one reason I've incorporated that. So I've stolen inspirations from all over and from many different creators. Um, but yeah, again, really the wanting to, you know, uh, also showcase the Toronto scene, I, I think was a big part of the channel. Um, I think we have a great community around here and it's not, in terms of the global you know, sense, um, nobody really talks about AOS in, in Canada very much. Um, so just trying to, trying to get uh, some representation for us out there. And uh, we have you know, a ton of amazing players around here um, and great people, uh, which is even more important. So always have you know, a lot of fun getting to show things off. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, hopefully, uh, I know Australia is in the future, so hopefully Canada's internet will catch up somehow and uh, your video your video won't be all like uh, basically an avatar. Or are you a real person? I don't really know. Maybe you are. This is AI kind of <laughs> 1.0 and this is your avatar. Um, so, uh, and you got a lot of love in the chat, by the way, Jordan, but at least your voice is coming through really well. So uh, hopefully the video stream will catch up a little bit. But Let's talk Deepkin. Um, now, Broken Realms, for anyone who hasn't heard just yet, is, a, I guess, a new narrative arc that is coming out in Age of Sigma. We've seen the first book drop. There's, uh, we only can assume there's going to be a whole bunch more leading into, at minimum, General's Handbook 2021. And the Broken Realms narrative is based around Marathi. However, we do get some other things like Stormcast, like Deepkin, like Slaves to Darkness. And basically through this narrative arc and the alliance of Marathi with the, the Deepkin and kind of some shenanigans, we're not going to kind of spoil, spoil the story for you. We've got some rules. Uh, Deepkin got some rules. We got a couple of War Scroll rewrites, um, which is pretty sweet. And you got some mount traits, which um, I think a lot of people have been begging for. Um, how did you find the overall rule changes before we get into the weeds and actually talk about what you got? As a whole, again, like I said at the start, all the changes that we've seen for Deepkin are positive ones. Now, I don't think it necessarily pushes the book any stronger than it was necessarily, um, but it, it broadens the options. Kind of, you know, Deepkin was always a shallow pool, and now it's a little deeper in terms of uh, what we can realistically take in the list, you know, uh, without, you know, while still being viable at events or competitively or whatnot or not feeling bad about taking these models uh, in any capacity. So, it, you know, great depth that it's added, some more versatility in terms of different builds like we're going to talk about today. Um, some interesting utility and options with even like, you know, the, the war gear on the sharks and um, the mount traits, like you said. So definitely some interesting options. And I think it just kind of opens up the book and the faction a little more, uh, which uh, is what, you know, everyone from... Deepkin players to Deepkin opponents wanted to see out of the army. So uh, I I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be brutal, all around. I'll be brutally honest. I'm sick of Deepkin. I actually hate playing Deepkin. Um, and the reason for it is I got really excited about the release. Um, when Under Deepkin came out, I was, a, I was amazed by the turtles and the sharks and the eels and the Eidolon and the thralls and the reavers. Uh, I was in, I was, I was so close 
And then I went to see uh, Aquaman and I walked out. I'm like, I want a Deepkin army. I want a Deepkin army. Uh, unfortunately, GW prices in Australia kind of stopped me from going down that route. Uh, I couldn't afford a third mortgage, but um, I love the army. But every time I play it, uh, you know, to the exception of Ben Spinetti, who's a who's a champion Australian player, been running uh, Sharks now for two to three years. It's just eels, 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 eels. I know what you're going to do. Turn one, you're going to flip the tide. Turn two, you're going to try to kind of uh, either you're either going to come in at turn two if you flip the tide, or you're going to come in at turn three. You're going to you know you're going to stack up the whole bunch of command abilities from uh, from one of your leaders to give you additional attacks. Cool. I'm like I'm done. I've done this game. But coming seeing this book, turtles are good. They've got uh, sharks are good. Uh, thralls mm -hmm. have gotten a bit of a boost. Yep. There's a whole bunch of things that have happened, and I'm starting to see that list dynamics change. While eels aren't crap, and they haven't like just nerfed eels, you are seeing some um, you are seeing some alternative builds, and for me, that's exciting because um, I want to have a good game. I'm sure you guys yeah. uh, are sick of playing the same eel style again and again and again and again. And I'm sure you want your other toys to be good. So I'm really happy about the changes. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Deepkin players more than anyone wanted to be able to play different things, right? You might play eels once in an event, but we play it five games at every event. So uh, definitely yeah. nice to have a little more... Um, more variety and while i've I, i've always been a proponent of um saying there's a lot more depth than people thought to eels like i ran i ran all i ran 30 thralls all last year in my competitive list i for most of this year i ran you know a kellyan core with a shark and a turtle for most of the year um so again i think those those builds were maybe not you know the the top build but they were very competitive with the top armies in the meta still. So by no means was it a, a significant step down, uh, but now they've just gotten a little boost where uh, you're going to see in the general community, you know, more variety to lists, um, which is exciting, uh, but it, you know, means uh, you're, you might see some things that you're not prepared for um, the first couple of times you see Deepkin now. Yeah, especially like when you start introducing Reavers and Thralls, like not, not many people have played against Thralls. So either way, I think overall what I'm trying to say here is I'm very excited because I think it's going to give a whole lot of rejuvenation to Iden of Deepkin. It's going to give some different play styles. We're even talking mm -hmm. just before we got on stream, and we'll get to it in a very, very second, um, that the way you think about your allegiance of terrain, um, that might slightly change. So I might actually bring up some of the rules and um, – for anyone who's watched this show in the past, um, we have done faction focuses. I've done a list review uh, already on Deepkin. So I don't want to spend too much time on the Allegiance abilities. I don't want to spend too much time on your Gloomtide boat. But where I'd love to kind of get your thoughts, Jordan, given one, you're a very competitive player. Two, you've already been thinking about your lists from Broken Realms. By the way, guys, we are recording this show pre-FAQ. I don't think there's going to be a lot of big FAQs for this. So I'm, I'm kind of comfortable. But also, we do have a winter FAQ coming potentially in the month's time. So points may have changed. So um, this is just to give us a bit of a context yep. on how would I run an army? Um, how would I run an army using these new rules? So, Jordan, before we kind of get into the new rules, I'd love to kind of get your thoughts a little bit about your rules. And I guess the big one here is going to be the, I guess, your Tides of Death. Has Broken Realms Marathi changed the way that you look at your allegiance abilities 
Yes and no. I wouldn't say that it's made a huge impact in terms of there's no obviously changes to the rules themselves. It's just going to be different use of the units you're taking now and you're kind of mixing up your units potentially a little more. You're just going to be using them with different units in different ways. So uh, again, obviously low tide, um, for example, uh, you get cover bonus. Now that stacks with the sharks plus one to save aura. Um, now that's super effective turn one um, with Ishlandard who are, you know, ignore Rend. So that's one example of, you know, something you're going to do a little differently now. Um, now, if you do the high tide plus one or plus three command points, depending on, you know, if you have an Italian general, um, you're going to be, you know, making different decisions and not, you don't just have all eels to decide. Uh, there's going to be, you know, trade-offs of different units scale differently in terms of their damage output um, with those extra attacks. Like, you know, the, the eels still scale the best, but, you, you know, if you want sharks in there for utility, uh, it's you're going to have to make decisions of do you run, run units of one shark or units of, you know, two to four where you're getting more utility out of those command points um, at the sacrifice of uh, kind of, you know, being able to spread out and kind of take board control. So... Definitely, definitely, just some different, different ways of looking at um, we're taking the strengths of our allegiance abilities into account. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to highlight here, folks, that you haven't lost it. Um, so, you, so broken Roms Marathi, you didn't lose anything in your um, from your battle tome. Rather, you really gained a lot of stuff here. So, the if you if you like playing the way you want, you play whether it's you, you reverse the tide already and you like to go alpha in turn two, whether you're already setting up for turn three, whether you are looking at some of the retreating or abilities or you're looking at just, you know, different particular play styles, um, that hasn't changed. You can keep playing the way you want to play. But I do like the, the new introduction of some of these additional rules that may get you thinking about your list. And when you start adding, let's say, a turtle and your reavers into play or the turtles and your thralls, and you start thinking about potentially the, um, you know, uh, high, high, low tide number one, which is around uh, units being treated in cover. And then you think about the combination of your turtle and your thralls. That may change either your list style or even your play style or how you might deploy. So it's something to keep in mind. I just wanted to highlight, not necessarily game breaking, but it may incentivize you to do something else. Cool. Uh, another yeah, so, you, so your rules haven't changed here. Uh, but the other one that kind of really wanted, I, I got thinking about Jordan was that mm -hmm. the Gloomtide Shipwreck is something that most Deepkin players, I, I, I paint you all with a big brush, <laughs> uh, because every opponent I've played, um, when they put their Gloomtide Shipwreck down, they're just blocking up my deployment zone. That's all they want to do. They couldn't care less about the the um, the mortal wound on a six. They couldn't care less about the uh, the 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 addition, but all the all the stuff, right? They couldn't care less about that stuff. All they want to do is annoy me in my deployment zone and make yeah. my life difficult. Has that changed, or uh, are you thinking about the gloom tide in different ways, uh, in addition to annoying the crap out of me? Yeah, well, uh, being annoying with it is obviously a huge strength of it, but I do think you will see it positioned um, a little differently uh, going forward, depending on the list. So one of the lists we'll talk about today, uh, again, utilizes the turtle, um, some of the defensive eels who, you know, get with stacking cover and um, the plus one to save from the turtle allow you to be very defensible. Um, now, we only have cover turn one in the normal order of the tides, um, so you'd be at two up turn one, but from then on, you'd be, you know, go to the, the three up with the turtles uh, plus one to save. 
But positioning the Gloom Tides kind of mid-table now actually gives you a spot for you to land your defensive eels, you know, turn two or like after movement, turn one or turn two, um, and really stretch out your bubble of, of kind of, you know, your presence of where you're uh, kind of trying to zone out the enemy. Let's you throw them somewhere that where they can land in cover where you're controlling where the, where the cover goes with the added bonus of the, um, you know, six up um, ward save. And also then being extremely hard to charge if you have eels in the boat. That's, you know, again, still super annoying, but not necessarily in the deployment zone. You're now potentially going to see some, mid, uh, some more mid-table uh, used to help, you know, keep defenses up, um, you know, throughout the game. Again, similar to the allegiance abilities, it won't change the way you're currently playing. So it's not like you've got to learn a whole new style and what you've done now is wrong. Uh, but certainly, again, it starts asking questions and starts thinking. So I guess what I'm trying to say here, folks, is don't automatically play the way you've always been playing for the last couple of years. If I've, I really do feel like um, with the new list building, with the new options, with the new mount traits, um, it has unlocked some different play styles. So um, I would almost look at this brand new fresh and think about, are there other ways that I could use my terrain piece? Are there other ways that I could blah? So um, there's some really good points, Jordan, really good points. Um, so we are going to, and by the way, some people in the chat here are very excited to hear about uh, some deep kin lumineth. So maybe get your thoughts maybe towards the end of the show because um, we we do have two lists and uh, maybe there's some allies. No, there's no allies. But what what I do want to talk about is maybe find out is it with the new war scroll updates because there has been a couple of war scroll updates as well. Um, are there any allies you would take in your lumineth? So stay tuned for that one. Okay. I'll buy you some time to think about yeah, what you want to say. For sure. Um, so one of the cool things I do, I need to get a scanner properly so I could, uh, do this properly, not from my photo, I do apologize here, but one of the cool things as well is, uh, you do get a battalion. There's a new battalion, the blood surf, blood something. Um, there's a new battalion, the, the blood surf hunt battalion. Uh, and you also did get, um, some mount traits, mount traits for your, uh, deep mare, as well as mount traits with your Leviathan. So how does this all work? And. Did you have any ones? Do you think they're all good, or do you think that maybe some are just clearly better than the others? Yeah, I definitely think there are some that are clear standouts. Um, maybe for each each of the mounts, you have one amazing one, one good one, and then one you just kind of forget about. Um, so looking at the deep mare, obviously the first one on a six um, on the charge, you do d6 mortal wounds instead of the normal d3, uh, which is on a two up. Uh, for the amount that that's going to happen. Uh, and then a D6 being super unreliable anyways, that's barely you know, worth considering. Uh, it's, it's cute if you want to take it or if you want to roll random in a, you know, uh, with your buddies, but competitively, I don't think it's going to add anything interesting. Um, yeah, there was for, for me, like when I looked at this, actually, it was, I, I, it's quite funny because the way I'm running my Sons of Behemoth army, uh, my Mega Gargant, my boss, actually has the exact same combination as my uh, the the Deep Mare and the Leviathan trait. So, oh, um, yeah, it's funny because my, my, my Kraken Eater does have a minus one hit bubble, actually a bubble, and then the artifact I've got is Plate of Perfect Protection, which causes, uh, ignores me, uh, it doesn't, doesn't change it it just ignores range one so it's basically the same combination uh which i thought was brilliant that they brought that in uh in a very different way but for me when i looked at ancient for turtles like that was money 
that was just straight money. Um, I don't know what you think about the Leviathan, but I was like, yeah, that is just 24 karat gold. Give me ancient turtles. So I actually think looking at the Leviathan, ancient is great, uh, especially if you're throwing him into combat. But I actually like uh, reverber ver sorry, reverberating carapace, uh, the third one the most. It's going to give you a, a bigger aura, um, which is huge. Going, you know, an extra three inches out either side lets you, you know, spread your bubble and kind of its range of influence potentially over, you know, fully covering two objectives, which with defensive or, you know, eels or offensive or thralls or anything, uh, just a bigger bubble there is huge. Also, um, thinking that your Leviathan for probably the first half of the game or first couple turns, it's going to be kind of sitting in the middle of your army where you have stuff out front, like your defensive eels who are taking the hit, um, stuff in behind, um, you know, potentially screening out your backfield so no one, you know, deep strikes in behind you. But so so that rend is, or ignoring the one rend is great by all means, but isn't necessarily going to come into play until you decide to throw the turtle into combat. Again, never hurts to have the ignore one rend. Um, but the reverberating carapace to me gives just a little more utility in terms of movement and positioning with the the rest of your army, where you can still take you know kind of more advantage of the 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 buff that he provides, um, which is huge. Obviously, the plus one to save as well as the plus one hit for uh, your Namardi. Yeah, that's that's really cool, and I think you know you've raised some really interesting points on the way that you play your turtle. Most people play their turtle as a support piece behind a line of something, whether it's reavers, whether it's thralls, whether it's just something, right? But you could put it actually in front, and mm -hmm. using the the rules of you know you've got to shoot the closest uh, unit. This turtle could actually just be out the front, soaking up all the shooting damage. Um, it could be a monster hunter. The fact that it does was it when it hits on a six with with its bite attack, it does six six mortal wounds, which is just an absolute monster killer. So um, they changed that. It's in, so it's now uh, it's a six to hit does three mortal wounds, but they split it from one attack with the turtle to two attacks. So two that do three or d three each. So it ends up you know roughly about the same, but actually makes it a lot more reliable. But against the monster keyword, it does six. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. yes, I'm yeah, saying like yeah. it's, yes, I'm saying it's the monster hunter, right? So you could yeah. go out to the terror guys. You could go out to the the stone horn and just fish fish for those sixes, and boom, six mortal wounds is brutal. Um, so you could play, you know, you can play it as a uh, just soaks up the damage. It could be a monster hunter. It could be the buff piece. I think again, it gives you versatility the way you use your turtle. So yeah. again, big win for me. Uh, it's not just you know one list rules them all which is kind of where it was going to one point. It was just like season for tasty. You have offensive or defensive eels, like same, same, but different. Um, but we will obviously talk about some of these rules as well um, in context of your lists, uh, which is going to be, which is it would be interesting to hear how you're kind of thinking about it. Again, it doesn't kind of invalidate the current list builds, uh, but Hey, think about this as some different options or get some new toys out on the table. Uh, and we did get, like I mentioned, a War Scroll update for the uh, for the Leviathan. We got them for the, both of the Eidolons, which was really cool, um, as well as the Alopex. So um, some things of re reconsidering your lists. Um, and any of any of those, before I get into your list, were any of those changes, those War Scroll changes, whether it was the Alopex, the um, the Eidolons or the Leviathans, um, did any of those impress you or some of them maybe disappoint you? Where were your thoughts on those four war scroll updates? 
I would say I still am not really looking at the Eidolon of the Sea very much, um, just with how much strong magic casting. Now, he's reliable in, in terms of getting to reroll casts, but not still dominant in ter- you know, compared to other you know, factions out there. And we're really not built as a magic-heavy army, so you get you know, more bang for your buck um, out of the other three. And the other three War Scroll changes I, I love. You know, um, super happy to be able to play my Eidolon, get him on the table, and actually uh, having a big impact, which is a lot of fun. No, look, and, and I'll be brutally honest, I was disappointed that uh, Lotan didn't get a War Scroll yeah. update. As cool as Lockie is, the little squid, uh, isn't quite, quite there yet. Uh, to be put on the table. Um, so, sorry. Yeah. I would sorry. have also loved to see um, a little buff or maybe some synergy for the um, the Marty Reavers. Now they get the plus one hit from the turtle. They get the plus one to wound from the Eidolon, both their buffs. So that will help them a little bit, but I still think um, they're a step behind everything else. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. if they maybe if their shooting had a rend or, um, you know, it was, they didn't have to be you know within nine inches or, or super close to really get the maximum shooting output out. Uh, that's obviously really tough to do, and they're you know quite uh, paper thin. So let's take the wins while we got them. Uh, yep. I think overall you won you won a lot of stuff. You didn't lose anything. Exactly. Uh, I don't think you lost anything actually. There's just like some. I mean, there was a couple of changes, and obviously some points went up, but. You're basically, you're, this is basically like hitting the jackpot. Yeah. Um, so the first list that we're going to go through, so the two lists that you've given us, uh, the first list was, um, is Futhan. Mm-hmm. Um, I always I always mess up the names for Deepkin. This is all the names. Um, someone's going to like actually me. So I, again, I think a lot of people will know the Futhan rules, but maybe with my Broken Realms Marathi hat, um, how are you thinking about these particular rules? Um, is any of them in, more important than others, um, or should we just discuss this with the list? Like, how are you thinking about your elite, your sub allegiance, and maybe why you chose this? Yeah, I think you, you saw you always saw two sub factions, which is are Futhan and Domhain being the most dominant one. Uh, I don't think that really changes. You know, you still might see the odd person. Uh, taking one of the other sub factions with with a go trek in it, so he can run and charge uh, for some fun. But other than that, um, these are the, still the two you're going to see. And again, like you said, there's no changes to them. It's just the units are going to interact a little differently. Um, there's different benefits, obviously, and it, it's really just yeah, the synergies between the the updated uh, models and different models you're going to see on the table now um, that you'll see things play out a little differently on the table. Yeah, awesome. Okay, cool. So good to know. Again, no, no, no big changes with the sub allegiance, but we'll we'll th- talk a little bit about how you're now building the the, the broken realms Marathi deep can build. Yeah. So uh, for the podcast friends, uh, I'll read out the list, and then I'd love some of your logic on why you've gone down this route. So uh, first one is F- Futhan. We have the uh, the Tidecaster, the Isharan Tidecaster, who's the general, which is born uh, from agony and the steed of tides. Uh, which is the new? Uh, so sorry, sorry, ignore that. Um, we've got the Soul Scryer. We've got a Eidolon of Mathland, the aspect of the storm. I agree with you. By the way, the sea isn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know how we make the sea better. Um, I don't think, as you said, it's going to be a supercaster, a techless, a lot of change, a croak. Uh, at the same time, it is a big point sink for a basically like my free guild. Uh, 
battle mage on a griffin it's like you're cool but i'm just better off taking the the, the leader the, the the general as opposed to the wizard on the griffin yeah totally how I, how I feel uh we've got 10 thralls 10 thralls 10 thralls six more tech i said more tech uh more sargard um my last game literally the other day was against more tech so uh so we've got six more uh, more sargard three more sargard three more sargard uh, three Ishalan guard, three Ishalan guard, and Alapex. Yeah, turtles. Um, and you've got the net launcher on there, and that comes in at 1990 with 132 wounds. So um, very traditional. It's it's not it's not as it's not it's not basically the internet list, mm -hmm. which is basically all the eels. Um, and we do have a little bit of variety here, but we still have a core of what people have been running. Um, so take me through maybe your, your leader choices or take me through the list and how it's all working and why you chose what you chose. Yeah, so from a general sense, um, obviously when you go Futhan, the big thing is you get to flip the tides. So you get uh, run and charge turn one, attack first at the start of the phase. And like you said, this list, and it still has 12 more Sariels, so still 12 offensive, which is quite a bit. Um, and this is what I think is going to be maybe a good example of lists that you'll see um, in this transitional phase while people get their Eidolon, Turtle, you know, and other models painted up. This is like, you know, if someone has an Eidolon, they'll throw it in right away. And this is a good example of what you might see. Um, now, obviously, um, you don't have the Achillean King as your general because the Tidecaster has to be your general to do this. So you have no Achillean general uh, or hero in here at all. Um, so you have the Tidecaster again allowing you to flip the tides uh, and you have to have the, the three units of thralls in here for your battle line. Now, um, you do have the offensive eels, you have defensive, um, and then the shark and Eidolon, they all provide a little bit of utility in different ways. Um, now, being able to flip the tides, this is more of a, an aggressive style of deep pin where you are looking to get in you know, fast and early. And while that's not necessarily how I like to play them, I think sometimes when you, when you look at armies like Seraphon and Lumineth so prevalent that just do AOE mortal wounds, I find now with Deepkin, you just have to get in there fast against those armies. Otherwise, you just get you know, punished so quickly. Uh, and you just can't survive because you know, there's your mortal wound everything um, to death. So, so in here, again, we have, we have 30 thralls. But the big thing, I think, to talk about at the first is the two Ishlane Guard. You know, like you said, they're great. Um, like you were saying with the turtle, they're great at soaking up enemy fire, whether it's you know, Seraphon shooting or, you know, anyone shooting really, obviously in conjunction with our, our um, allegiance ability where you have to shoot the closest Ideneth unit, having something that could potentially be in cover uh, and ignores Rend is great for soaking up shooting. And if they're taking mortal wounds, they'll still die as quick as any other eels, but it's cheaper saving points rather than having more star screen. And they're great for tying up units that you um, don't want to deal with. You know, you can throw them in, tag the edges of some stuff and you know, just just use them to tie up opposing units um, in conjunction with the Alapex. Now, I think you'll see more Alapexes than just one, but um, at, at times, and we'll talk about them, that in the next list, actually. But um, the Alapex in this list has the Net Launcher. So the Net Launcher, um, if it hits, which is on a three up, um, allows or it restricts the unit that it hits from making a pile and move during your turn. Uh, so that's big. Just in conjunction with something like the Ishlan Guard, if you you know get that shot off, you pile in, tag the edge of um, a unit, and you tag 
you know, another big unit or, or something, you're going to be able to like, you know, say tie up a unit of hearth guard berserkers um, with three more, or sorry, with three defensive eels. Only one or two are necessarily hitting you back if you go in uh, in an ideal position because you've restricted their pile in. So then on their turn, uh, you know, maybe before a double turn or, or, you know, a potential double turn or priority roll or, or whatnot, you're tying that unit up at the start of their turn. So they have, they're stuck in combat already. They're not moving. Uh, they're not charging. They're not getting into your Morsar or the other kind of meat of your army. Um, so obviously the out, you know, the shark with the net launcher can be very interesting. Um, now, it might, I, be, it might be worth pointing out as well here, just um, just to just pause for a second in case um, people might have missed this. Um, so first off, with the Alapex, it's when you it, it's when you hit. It's not when you damage. So even if you fail your wound, if you fail, you do you don't do any damage with the net launcher as long as one of your four attacks, which hits on a three, as long as one of those statistics just one for the net. Them. Yeah, uh, it's only one for the net. Oh, sorry, I was looking at the launcher. Yeah, so if you hit on a three. If you can hit, doesn't matter if you wound, doesn't matter if you do damage, um, you've stopped the piling. So that's pr it's pretty generous. Like you've got a 66% chance statistically that they're not going to pile in. Yeah. Um, when, and and the reason as well, just to go back really quickly to the Ishlan Guard, the reason why they're good defensively is because they ignore rend. So having a four-up save, ignoring rend, um you're basically night haunt so it just means especially like um i just played at a tournament recently and you know some of the issues that i had the games that, the only two games that i lost were against shooting armies with character overlords and cities of sigma with their iron drakes doing like so much damage with ren minus two you just like go lol lol yeah. to your end like yeah. you obviously still take the damage but a four up as opposed to a six up is a huge difference Mm -hmm. And they get plus one to save on the charge. Um, so the, they're a great, you know, kind of like you were saying with the turtle, throwing them up into something. They're aggressively defensive where you can tie up a, a opposing units and kind of restrict movement by just getting into them and, you know, taking a turn or two uh, for them to kill you off. They are um, sexy. Uh, sorry, I, I just wanted to, just in case anyone who's picking this up for the first time and they don't quite know when we're talking about like why, why defensive eels are really good, why you know or that some people might just assume that you've got to do damage because often some abilities are triggered off damage but no the alapex net launcher is based on a hit roll so um I'll, I'll let you get back into explaining your list but I, I just wanted to pause in that moment to make sure everyone got that that piece of gold yeah that's great um otherwise so again this is an aggressive you know kind of build you're gonna have um you know your whole army running and charging turn one so you can you know move up you know, get some defenses up or throw through Ishley in to tie stuff up, hit other things with your Morsar guard, um, as well as moving your, you know, thralls to the middle of the table, potentially depending on who went first, you know, getting charges off with them as well. Um, the Soul Strier, again, a staple in deep kin lists. You're going to be able to deep strike two units with him. He also gives plus three to charge. So you're going to be coming off the board edges with, you know, needing a six up charges. And your, you know, eels natively have the rerolls, which is obviously everyone knows what that does. Um, so that's all pretty much standard stuff for Futhon. Uh, but the inclusion of the Eidolon is, you know, a great one. Now, I ran a very similar list to this last year as my competitive list, uh, running an Inkelian King instead of the Eidolon, though. But the Inkelian King, you lose the value because you don't get the use out of his command point. So it's not great. But the, again, he's still great with the Cloud of Midnight. 
but it's so much better on the Eidolon. Um, so the Eidolon, uh, with some of the changes now, he's super tanky. He has a five up ward save, which is incredible. Um, he heals D3 wounds on the charge, which he had before, but that's still, you know, makes him very resilient. He's 12 wounds on a three up save, and he's not a monster. So he doesn't he bracket. Dropped 50 points. Obviously, again, Winter FAQ may change us, but he also dropped in points, which uh, makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. So so he had been at 360, yeah. So dropped 30 points from the last FA, um, book FAQ or, or the last... Um, kind of points drop, but but yeah, so it came down 30 points. Um, you get way more utility out of him. Now, he's the same cost as six Morsar Guard or uh, uh, Leviathan. So those three kind of unit options, you're going to see interchanged a lot. Um, the great thing that the Eidolon adds is he buffs um, everything else in an 18-inch bubble with plus one to wound, which, you know, for an army that hits on threes and threes and is often re-rolling ones to hit, the plus one to wound is just adds a huge um, kind of buff to reliability, um, though his damage drops off compared to like six eels. They're going to do double the damage, but he buffs everything, not just himself. Uh, so that's, you know, kind of you're sacrificing, the, you know, the tart, you know, one spot damage, but spreading out to all the other units doing more damage. The reroll ones, the reroll wound rolls of one from the Drench of Hate is just um, buffing a wound roll is just so hard in this game. Uh, that's why things like the Frost Phoenix, when they're in and they do a negative to, to wound rolls, uh, is a huge difference because it's just so hard. But getting the Drench of Hate, I, I really like. Um, and I think one of the other rewards, um, Jordan, is that with with the new battle plans in General's Handbook 2020. There are a whole bunch of ones where you're going to score additional victory points with a leader involved, mm -hmm. uh, or you burn with the additional victory points. And I noticed um, when I play Deepkin, you rarely have many heroes up in my line. It's usually maybe one, uh, but usually your Tidecast is sitting at the back. You're very hero light to begin with. So uh, I feel like you've been giving up a lot of victory points in the new edition without those support heroes. And I think this this tanky hero can do it on his own and create a different threat in some of those scenarios. So uh, I, I do like the inclusion of the aspect of the storm uh, in conjunction with the new General's Handbook battle plans. Yeah, I totally agree. And like you said, you um, Total Conquest is a big one for extra points for heroes. So you're potentially getting three extra points now where previously, like you said, you only ever saw two heroes with deep pins. So this gives us now a fast, aggressive tanky hero um especially in conjunction with his item which is the cloud of midnight so this is the you know kind of a common item that you see from deepkin but it's amazing with him because once per phase at the beginning of any phase he will become untargetable uh, so if he's the only thing you're in combat with you can't attack at all uh, when you activate if he's the closest thing when your army is going to shoot they all have to have to target him but cannot target him therefore just can't shoot. So in this list, thinking like turn one, even if you can't get close enough to combat, get into combat with your army, um, you can throw him forward, you know, at the front of your army, in front of everything, all the enemy shooting has to target him, he pops his cloud of midnight, and you just basically nullify a full round of shooting, um, which against, um, you, know, an you know, an army like Lumineth, uh, which can be a struggle for Deepkin, uh, shutting down their shooting for one turn before you're, you know, 
before your next turn of, of really engaging them and getting into combat, you know, can be huge. So that's, you know, a strong item um, that work, you know, with the Eidolon of the Storm, I think is just kind of a great combination. A couple of quick questions before we move on to the second list, because I think for me, the second list is the sexier one. Mm -hmm. No, no, no offense to this first list. Yep. It's for me, it's just obviously like eels, 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 eels. Um, oh, we got, we got a different variety of eels, but we still got a lot of eels. Yep. Why, why six? Because I guess the the question that people would be having is, let's say you're, you're more Sargard. Why six as opposed to lots more of threes? Uh, why not a larger unit? Um, why why the combination of Morsar? And then I will ask you about Thralls. So uh, talk to me about the eels and your choice selection. Um, why six? Why the, the kit out that you've done? Yeah, so obviously in this list, you have the potential to flip the tides. Um, and you if you do on turn two, the turn you're attacking first, you get to attack with everything first. So the unit size doesn't matter as much there. But that's only one turn. So the other four turns, three eels by themselves won't often, you know, significantly, you know, hurt a strong unit that's resilient and you know is going to hit you back hard. So I think it's important to have at least one unit of six in your list, um, just for something that can, outside of the you know high tide, can hit and cripple a unit before it gets to attack first. So. Um, you know, Hearthguard Berserkers or, you know, whatever, um, getting into, you know, a, a on Terror Dice or something, um, three eels aren't going to cripple it. And then if it attacks and kills the other three eels that are in combat with it, you weren't getting effective use out of them. So I get, getting to activate six before your opponent is, is huge. Um, and really four out of five of the turns, you're not attacking first. So you need uh, to be able to, you know, reliably kill stuff before it hits you back. Because as soon as you start getting hit by enemies uh, with Deepkin, your army's going to crumble. Uh, because obviously Deepkin are uh, kind of your, your prototypical glass cannon where they're not the most resilient. No, and, you know, whenever I've played against Deepkin, they're so reliant on a big mortal wound zap. You know, you do you do the zap on the charge or at the start of combat. I can't remember the exact sequence. The but, at the start oh. of combat. Yes, it's the, yeah. So you do all your zaps, and uh, it doesn't matter. It just you know that, that unit of six is going to do a whole bunch of zaps and a whole bunch of mortal wounds. But then once those zaps are out, if you haven't done significant damage to your opponent, I've personally found the the Ishlan and the Morsar just hit like a wet paper towel. It's just like yeah. you, you don't do a lot. It's the mortal wounds that you're really swinging for the fence for. Mm -hmm. um, so having that big block of six is you know uh, potentially because obviously depends on the dice roll um potentially a lot of damage so um i do like that big block it is a big point sink but uh and it will be a target where people want to get rid of that that big block yeah. um but i think that's why you've also got your units of three as well so you can kind of scatter around the board exactly. you've got the speed um correct me if i'm wrong the alapex also increased its movement yeah um, which, which i thought was really sweet um so it went from 12 to 14 yeah so that's a, you know, a big boost to it to the shark, um, getting to zip around, he can hold back objectives and, and shoot from range, or um, you know he can fight your you know minimum battle line units and, and take them out over a turn or two. So he's pretty you know even just one shark on their own are, are pretty scary. Well, I just played. I, I, I just mentioned I played at a tournament last weekend. Um, a lot of the scenarios that were picked on the day had a difference of eighteen inches between us, our deployment zones. 
So if my opponent sits on the line, I put my shark on the line, it means that there's a four-inch charge. Yep. <laughs> like, that's it doesn't mean I need to spend a command point. The likelihood to fail is is slim. Then I obviously bring in the uh, the, the the new net ability, um, let alone the, you know, the, the eels and all that stuff. So um, I think that additional two inches, people are paying 80 points for cogs just to get that plus two to move. So um, I think that's a, a very generous, uh, don't don't overlook that Alapex uh, change. Yeah, that's a big one. Now, uh, I'm a little sad because while the, the Alapex gained two inches, the Leviathan lost two inches, uh, which unfortunately hurts uh, a little bit uh, for, for him, but obviously still, still uh, a great and useful piece in any army yeah um the other question i had to you before i move we, we move into the other list which is probably like you know i've, I've just gone out and I, I told my my parents i've told my my girlfriend i've told my wife i want some some deep kin she's like you can only get a little bit extra you spent too much this year already on warhammer so i picked myself up a shark and maybe an eidolon uh, and then we'll go into the, uh, the the maybe the birthday or the christmas after list where you've, you've upgraded it even more but the other question i had for you was with the thralls now now most deepkin players who are taking like the Achillean King aren't usually usually taking thralls. You know, this is a tax in your army at the moment because you've got to have battle line and you're not taking your Achillean King. Is are your thralls just tax or are you thinking about them with their additional damage potential or um, how are you thinking about your thralls in addition to having to take them because they're battle line? Yeah, you obviously have to take them here, like you said, but they are great. Um, they add a, a ton of kind of versatility, um, huge footprint, you know, 30 bodies um, in, in three units of 10 that can spread out. They can zone out your backfield objectives. Uh, you can have them in the front line to, you know, be a screen to receive enemy charges. Um, and generally, especially, you know, everybody knows about the eels. They're often not the first target to be hit. So nobody goes after the thralls first, which means they can often sneak up you know, be in the second wave um, and do, you know, have a devastating impact on their own. Now they get, you know, they have one rend, uh, one damage to, you know, two attacks to each base. They get an extra attack against one wound models, which is, you know, incredible for, you know, horde clearing um, or, you know, killing, killing uh, one wound models, uh, as well as they go um, from one damage to two damage if it's a unit with four or more wound models. Um, so that just makes like, them incredibly, you know, strong in terms of their damage output, especially in conjunction with the Eidolons plus one to wound. Uh, now, playing with these new rules, um, I've had maybe two games where I've had 10 thralls, um, like take out an ironclad by themselves, um, or, or, you know, take it down to two wounds or something. Um, and that's 10 thralls, you know, just walking up after, you know, uh, the Ironclad has been shooting off everything else, and ten thralls walk walk up, take it out. They're also wrapping the boat, so anything inside just gets slain because um, it, they they have no room to land. So, um, so great as kind of like your sneaky second wave of walking up. They're great as a screen just to you know take the enemy's hit if you need something to. Um, obviously, you have the Ishlan to do that as well. But they're also a, a backfield screen of you know kind of zoning out your own objectives. Um, you know, making sure when the stinks and salamanders teleport behind you, uh, they're not landing on objectives. And if they, you know, do teleport, they're at least just hitting thralls. And then you can still backtrack with, you know, 
either your Morsar or, or other things just to uh, take out those threats afterwards. So it allows you to have kind of a big bubble um, of zoning and board control and a few more bodies um, that, that it's, again, just makes the whole army more versatile, uh, not going all in on just kind of one, one type of unit. I think the cool thing as well with thralls is that you don't have to buff them. So if you want to leave them on a backfield objective, they do two attacks each. They hit on threes, wound on threes, rend one for one damage. Obviously, Jordan just talked about, you know, if you're a, a wound one or if you're uh, more than four wounds, um, the additional benefits. But you could you could comfortably sit them on a, a backfield objective. And for most deep striking things, whether it's Canary, Skinks, um, like there's a lot of deep striking, you know, Shadow Warriors, whatever it is, they could probably take the punch. Mind you, they've only got a five-up armor save, um, and they do only have one wound, and they are on a 32-mil base, so they're not invincible, but uh, they they can sit on a home objective quite well. That's probably one of the challenges that deep can, in the old build, you put everything in your deep-striking eels and very little on the table, and if that doesn't go to play, or if I'm a one-drop uh, Iron Jaws, Iron Suns, or you know um, some type of Ogre Moor tribes, and I just charge you turn one, um straight up you know you don't have a lot of heart uh, counter to that so i think the thralls coming to play here and can be a screen for those types of opponents as well mm -hmm, for sure so um cool a anything else you'd want to add from this particular list uh before we move into the other one no again i think it's pretty traditional like you said um just some of these you know other units add extra utility again with the the net being big and then the eidolon having that big tanky hero uh, who's going to be able to fight for objectives on his own, who, who's also an amazing hero slayer uh, to take out the, you know, he gets plus one, to, plus one to hit against, you know, heroes that are less than eight wounds or, or eight, eight or less. So um, gives you kind of hero slaying threat. Uh, he's a great, great one to go after Croak. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Good luck getting Croak. But I think yeah. the combination with the, uh, the aspect of a storm with Cloud of Midnight and your, uh, your Tides, uh he's going to ask some interesting questions i think people are going to quite understand like people um like my opponent i was talking about with the iron drakes he had the choice of just point click he was just like cool i want to kill this kraken eater like buffed up ren minus two just shoot dead but if if, if i force the challenge and go well no actually because of cloud of midnight and the, the the way things work i think a lot of shooting armies are going to go wait a second that's that's not who i want to shoot Wait a second, I've invested so many points between yep. Iron Drakes, Sorceress, Bridge, Warding King, uh, uh, Rune Lord. Like, it's a lot of points investments. You're like, nope, sorry, can't shoot me. Yep. Good work, 330 point legend. Oh, for sure. um, so, second list we've got is a, uh, a Dom Hain one. This was actually just accidentally, uh, we did originally have it as Futhan, but it was a mistake. And I didn't have time to actually bring up the rules for uh, for, for Dom Hain. Uh, but maybe I'll ask you just really quickly before we go into the list. With Dom Hain, um, was, has the rules changed? Has uh, the way you think about the Dom Hain sub-allegiance um, been altered in any way with Broken Realms? Or is this just better because of why? Yeah, it, the same as it was before the Broken Realms. No, no real changes, and you're not really looking at you know the sub factions much differently again you're you're going footh on if you want to flip the tides um to be super aggressive you're going domhain um which i think is is slightly better for you know the rerolls on the charges 
reroll all wounds against monsters, and there's a lot of monsters in the meta now, or a good amount at least. Um, so I think that's still you know kind of your your front runner there. So no, not no real significant differences um, with either of those. Cool. Yeah. No. Just 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 in case any of these rules have made a something more in, in, better, or because of the combination that you're picking. Um, it may have incentivized you another build. So good to know, again, uh, the re-rolling is, is important, which is why, I guess, in this particular build, we've gone Dom Hain as opposed to Puthan or any of the other. Uh, I can't even remember the other one's names. That's how, how little yeah. I see them on the table. You could uh, Little Mermaid Allegiance and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Ninja Turtle Allegiance. So you've gone Dom Hain, and uh, again, for our podcast friends, I'll read out the list. We've got our um, uh, Achillean King, who is the general. Command trait is the Lord of Storm and Sea with the bl bladed pole arm. The artifact is the armor of... You introduced the that Sethe. name? Saitai. Saitai? I don't know. Mai Tai, Saitai. And we have the uh, the Void Shield Darkness, which is the new mount trait that's come from Broken Robes. We've got the Ishlan Soul Scryer with the uh, something, something, I can't squint, I can't squint that much, Lard, Last Laminate, the artifact. We do have six uh, Morsar Guard. We have three Ishlan Guard, three Ishlan Guard, three Ishlan Guards. We do have more eels. So we have eels, but not as many eels. And those points have been invested into uh, two Alapexes, two Alapexes, and my personal favorite, uh, Leviadon with the Carapace. So we haven't gone ancient like I was talking up, but you've gone the Carapace, and, I, and obviously you've mentioned uh, you're a fan. Uh, before before your, uh, before you talk about the list, does your turtle have a name, and have you been inspired by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at all? I, I haven't. I only have one turtle, not four. Uh, and he does not have a name, so maybe we'll we'll leave it up to uh, uh, the YouTube community to see if they can uh, come up with some good name ideas. All right, I know I know uh, Rocco in uh, my Discord is obsessed. He's got Shelly the turtle and Bruce. I think is the shark. I can't remember who, who Bruce is, but he's come up with some weird names. But uh, we've got to get that turtle a name. But let's start up at the top. So you've got your Achillean King. Um, why the loadout? Why are we taking that uh, Void Shield, Shield Darkness? Why is that? Uh, talk me through some of your leader combinations first. Yeah, so actually, uh, one thing to say is I actually have the Battalion Italian Corps in this list also. Um, oh, okay, that's right. If I, if I scroll yeah. down slightly a little yeah. bit more, I thought I'd be smart to try to get it all on a single page. Yes, you do have Made the... Made it difficult for you, yeah. Yeah, good work, Anthony. All right, so Killian Corp is in there as well, guys. So a uh, big thing with this, this puts uh, Deepkin to a three-drop army, which is a great spot to be. You don't have choice most of the time. Um, again, that's really great for Deepkin being able to give it away. This list, just from kind of an overall perspective, is all about control. Um, whereas typical um, Deepkin and even the previous list was more about you know damage output and you know taking out the opponent's threats. Uh, this list is more about just controlling where um, what what can get into your units, how much damage they're doing, uh, pylons, and, and kind of all that stuff. Um, depending on if you go with the nets or the harpoons on the alopexes. So again, a lot of control, a lot of limiting your opponent's output, and, and some interesting things there. Um, so looking at the Achillean King, again, here you could go with some of the traditional uh, items like Cloud of Midnight is still good. Um, 
the plus two to wound, plus two wounds general trait is still great. Um, but wanted to look at some other ones that are, are great options and potentially opened up a little more um, with with the recent changes. So um, the Achillean King, uh, being your general, he still is going to have the uh, command ability to add one extra attack to a unit for a command point. And you know you have the one unit of Morsar Guard where you have six. That's probably the unit you're going to be looking at uh, adding those on if you need to. That command ability hasn't changed yet. So it's still as written. Drives me insane, uh, but it can be stacked. Yes. Yeah. So it's, I had one, one of my opponents who's my club mate, and I'm going to call him out here because he's a jerk, but six command points in a single turn uh, stacking that rule, and I just wanted to kick him in the crotch. Yeah, it's funny. Everyone talks about it so much, but maybe it's like I, I've never – so I said this, I've said this before, but – Realistically, that command ability comes into play for me maybe one out of, you know, three or five games. Um, it's only one turn, and it's only if you get the positioning that you and your opponent know. Like you said, that's that you know where that's coming from a mile off. You see your opponent, you know what they're doing. So, if you're you know able to position to to mitigate it, you will. Um, so that's where I think I, for me, I think for me, it's just that most command stacking has been removed from the yeah. game. There is very few units that can now command stack, and if you are going to do it twice, it has to be on another unit. I think for me, it was more like, let's just get that, let's just like straight out blanket clean up those rules. But right now, as it stands, you can still stack it. I guess is is just my yeah. call out here. And I actually, I think that would be a great change uh, personally as a deepkin player. Again, maybe that's me because I don't find I use the command ability a ton, um, and if I do, I really only need to add one attack to one unit because if you're adding the attack to six eels, the output there is going to pretty much wipe anything that you go into to begin with, um, especially because you're attacking first that round. So anything else you you have going into a target will also be attacking first. Um, so I, I would love to see that uh, that limited also to one and, and not be able to sack as well. Um, it will also make everyone uh, a little happier to, to play against Deepkin. Um, so you got your Achillean King. Your Achillean King is clearly there to, to buff up and support your uh, Morsar guard, probably, especially. I mean, obviously, supports the, the Ishalan as well, but uh, usually they come in a, a nice little combination. Is that right? Yeah, a little bit. Now, again, I used to run the Cloud of Midnight on my Achillean King, so I actually used him more often than not to tie up units rather than use his command points. I can't tell you how many times I've thrown him right in front of a lane blocking Hearthguard Berserkers so that on his turn, my opponent has to go into the king. I tie him up with Cloud of Midnight, and there's potentially um, you know, two turns I've tied up a unit of 20 Hearthguard Berserkers in, you know, kind of in the backfield or, or limited where they can move just from the king. So I'm willing to sacrifice him, and that's kind of how I'd always play him. Um, so this, rather than the Cloud of Midnight, this is uh, doing a couple other things. So first of all, the, the command trait, Lord of Storm and Sea, is a wholly within uh, 12 aura of plus two bravery. That comes into play, I think, more so now with armies like Lumineth on the table, where they can really mess with your bravery. Um, so looking at this army, it probably wants to play in a big bubble where you have your Leviathan and your Achillean King in the center, um, Ishlan on the outskirts. Um, kind of taking the hits and controlling you know, where, where shooting is going as well as what your opponent gets to charge. Um, with your Alapexes, uh, your two units of two, 
shooting from, from the center with your turtle, and then you have the Morsar to jump out and strike when you need them to. Um, so thinking about kind of that big bubble, um, the, the plus two to bravery trait is huge, again, against someone like Lumineth who can do AoE mortal wounds to your whole army, and then minus two to bravery. So you'd be on minus three bravery uh, if you lost one eel to each of your four eel units, which is just crippling. So um, wanting to play a little bit more control where you're not necessarily engaging and attacking as much, um, that'll help you kind of maybe survive uh, more against Lumineth and armies like that that can mess with bravery if you're seeing that uh, kind of in your local meta. Um, then the artifact and the command trait here both basically do the same thing. Um, or so the mount trait. Uh, the mount trait is obviously Void Chill Darkness here, which is the minus one to hit um, for any models within three inches of the Italian King. So only affects stuff in combat with it, not from shooting. Um, but the artifact in conjunction is anything attacking it in combat is an additional minus one to hit. Uh, so your Italian King here is, again, great for tying up units, um, going off on his own and dealing with just like, you know, pesky 10... 10 model battle line units that are holding objectives or stuff like that without really being at risk of taking any damage back, even if you don't attack first, because whatever is attacking is going to be at minus two to hit him. So, you know, he's on a, a three up save plus one with the turtle um, if he's nearby. So on a two up with minus two to hit, it's going to be hard for anyone to remove him in combat. Uh, yeah, no. so just just to remember that, and, and this is something that I've got to remember as well as a Gargan player, is that that um, Void Chill Darkness is a three-inch bubble. So if someone shoots out of combat, then it, the, the minus one doesn't come into play. Uh, but the other rule as well that uh, that some times people forget is that it's a three-inch bubble, not a, a minus one to hit me. So if I had, let's say, the Achillean King and some eels in combat, and I had an eel within the three-inch bubble as well, and even though they weren't attacking the Achillean King, they were attacking the eel, uh, that would be minus one to hit as well. So uh, the bubble is a nice little benefit. So play that. Uh, I've been playing that a lot, having my Mega Gargan and a Man Crusher and making making my life a little bit harder within that three inches. And mm -hmm. at least with an eel, like a Gargan, a Mega Gargan on like that massive plate. Uh, that's a big three-inch bubble. <laughs> but I think same thing. Think about it as a bubble as opposed to what we used to have with the, with the Griffeather charm. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. And then with, in combination with the armor of the Sithae, now this is an item that's been in the Deepkin book for so long, but it was often overlooked by the Cloud of Midnight. But now that you can stack it with another, uh, the, the mount trait, just minus two to hit, you can throw that all day into stuff, especially on a, a two-up save. Give it re-rolling ones to save, and you know he can tie up a lot of stuff for a couple rounds um, if the turtle's nearby, also you know helping out with his aura. Yeah, that's brutal. That's that's absolutely brutal. So the armor is giving us a minus one to hit, um, and that's melee weapon. So again, doesn't impact shooting. So in a shooting meta, but luckily your tides can help you with the shooting. Yep. Uh, but in combat, you are essentially going to be minus two to hit with the minus two to hit the Achillean King. So um, knowing I've I've run Trogoth Hags in the past, um, and she is normally minus two, sometimes even minus three. I've even gotten it to minus four at one stage. Uh, minus two is is no joke. It's very, very, very hard uh, to do damage with minus two. So again, not invincible, but uh, know that it'll be very hard. And people will just give up trying to take a target them. They'll just mm -hmm. go for other things. Yep, and that's that's great, right? This this whole list is about again controlling. You're not 
necessarily dishing out as much damage as, as some traditional deep pin list, but you're tied up your opponent, you're getting them stuck off of objectives ideally with your speed, you're tying them up in their own zones, you're tagging the edge of one unit and another one from outside, you know, the edge of three, um, so that you're, you know, they're not, you know, potentially piling in if you go with the nets on the, the Alapexes here. Um, but I think the harpoons are, are great too. Um, now, talking about those, you have um, 24 shots in this list if you go with the harpoons um, on threes and threes. Now, with reroll ones to hit from the Achillean Kane or, uh, yeah, from the Achillean Kane's aura. So, with one rend, one damage. So, 24 shots at 24 inch range, that's some significant output. Um, even if you're going into something like, you know, small heroes, it's great for taking out, you know, hag queens or fire slayer heroes that are at the back of, you know, units that you can't get to from charging or combat. And it lets you kind of deal with some of those uh, annoying little heroes before you, you know, go into combat. Same thing for like stink priests or the little stink heroes that are, uh, you know, giving the 20 or sorry, 18 inch um or uh, for parting shot for for the stink units, getting to kill those little heroes before you charge, uh, that's huge. Yeah, I, I was just looking at. I know um, again. I talked about Ben Spinetti in the past, who's been on the show many times. I know one of his favorite little combinations has been using the harpoon launcher, getting in, doing some damage, and then combining that with the bloodthirsty predator rule. So um, you know, trying to do some damage so that when you when you get into combat. Uh, you're getting that plus, that plus one to a cap tap characteristic mm. because basically like a shark, it's got blood in the water. And because you've done some wounds, you then get a whole bunch of additional attacks in combat. So, and they are brutal in combat. I think they've yep. still got what, eight, eight wounds apiece, four up armor save. Um, they are very combat driven monsters. And mm -hmm. the, the fact that, you know, you could run them as four separate ones. You could have four different ones and they're okay. Um, but if you run them as packs of two, obviously a command ability goes a little bit further. Uh, you take a little bit more board space. And uh, in addition, should you lose a shark um, with a bravery of, of six, it's very unlikely that you're going to lose one. Um, very okay. unlikely. Especially with the, the command trait from the king here in this list um, being the plus two if they're you know, within that bubble. Um, just again, you don't, you're not even rolling at that point. And if in worst case scenario, you've also got your artifact, which is the last laminate as well, making yes. your army immune to battle shock within eighteen once per battle. So yeah. if 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 things aren't looking good, uh, I don't know that I can't remember the turn sequence or when you activate it, but um, if that if that's something you're concerned about, you could always drop the artifact and um, uh, make your army immune to battle shock. Yep. Yeah, and that's once per game, holy within eighteen uh, on, on the soul strier. Um, a great artifact for, like you said, um, immune to battle shock once once per game. So great one if you do have, again, you might not take both of these with the command trait at the same time, but just wanted to highlight both the item and the command trait because they're both you know both good options um, looking at different lists. And again, uh, Deepkin, you, there's so much options you're gonna have now, and I think there's more depth than, than people typically played or, or typically saw. Um, so just yeah, try to highlight some of the cool new things or cool cool different options we have. No, it's great. And I think as well, like why I'm really excited about losing malign sorcery because you know it's probably 12 artifacts that you could name were gonna be there. And the other 40 odd artifacts were never there. And artifacts like that, I've never seen the rules for the last laminate until kind of 
you sent me that list. And I think as we're kind of re-looking at our books, we go, oh, it's actually now, now this is actually quite a strong artifact. Before, when I'd sort of judgment and Griff Feather Charm and Thermal Rider Cloak, and like they were just they were they were just too good. Yep. Um, so you've got your we, we've kind of talked about we've talked about your your eels already. Do they serve a similar role um, to the last to the last one? Obviously, they don't do nearly as much damage, or you don't have the I guess the offensive aggressive power that your first list has, uh, your Futhan list. But they probably play a similar role. They do similar things. It's just that the way you use them is a little different. Yeah. So, um, like you said, very similar in terms of they're your, they're your front line. They're what you want your opponent to be shooting at, especially now where they're getting, you know, cover turn one and the plus one to save, and then turn two again if you put your um, your boats mid table, it allows allows you to drop those Ishlan guard in the middle of the board, still have cover in round two. Um, for any opponent shooting or charging, and then uh, you know beyond that, two up unrendable is is just incredible, and you get to kind of you get to choose where your boats are to some de you know degree. So those are great. Um, you're using them uh, also to like kind of control the opponent. So part of the thing with Deepkin is you can't, besides one turn, you can't hit multiple units at the same time because if you do whichever unit you don't attack with first is getting hit first and is likely dying. So the defensive eels, uh, going with more of them, allows you to get in um, to, to different threats. You're tying up some big threats and allowing your Morsar guard and potentially your Alpexes to take out one uh, kind of one threat a turn where, where, while your uh, Ishlan guard tie up the other threats. Um, do you see a world where you might swap um, one of your Alapex units to have the nets? So have like maybe one net, one unit of nets, one unit of harpoons? Or totally. Yeah. What what totally. made you choose double harpoons as opposed to either having all nets or uh, you know two with nets, two with harpoons? Um, I think it's just looking at options, and I think for me when I first saw the nets, I wasn't that impressed compared to I think the the community reaction um, because. I don't foresee, you know, being able to already use Cloud of Midnight, already have defensive eels to tie stuff up. I felt like I can already tie up units pretty well when I want to. Um, and the nets are great, but, but maybe it's overkill for what I need to, to tie up units how I've needed to. Um, I still think they're good for sure. Uh, and especially in kind of a more defensive build where you can really tie stuff up with just three defensive eels. Um, so I think, I think there's definitely a, a good potential, but I think there's also a lot to say about just the offensive output of the shooting of the harpoons, you know, yeah. eight shots per unit. Um, so for, for two sharks is, you know, again, 24 shots in, in the army at, you know, threes and threes, one rend, one damage. You're getting to chew through stuff. You're taking out screens before you charge. You're taking out small heroes that are buffing and, and adding synergy to the opponent. Um, it's huge, and uh, and also softening up your targets, allowing your alopexes to, to go in and get the extra attacks for uh, uh, blood in the water and all that kind of stuff. And that's the big thing, right? Because if you go with the nets, it's only one attack. So at most, you're getting two attacks, and to get that activated bloodthirsty predator, you've got to do damage. Mm -hmm. So if you don't do damage, and with two attacks, you know, let's say fifty percent chance, you, you know, just statistically, actually, uh, sixty-six probably two go through maybe one wounds it's no rend 
So um, if you don't do the damage, you've really lost out on bloodthirsty predators. So at least with the harpoon, you've got consistency that you will get some damage, which means you're going to get the extra pluses to attack. So um, I like that. And, and between the the turtles uh, plus one to save, potentially being in cover, as as well as the Akalian Kane, who's you know potentially with the turtle on a two up save, minus two to hit, you're already going to be able to tie up the stuff that you need to for a turn or two when you want to. Uh, so I think you you already have that ability in this list. Now, you can go overkill on it and really tie stuff up potentially, and that might be worthwhile, um, but I don't think you'll, you'd need it in, in your average matchup. By the way, I've got to ask you, are you going to be running this list on, a ch on the channel anytime soon? I, I'm, getting, I, I'm getting requests for battle reports. For sure, 100%. So I, um, I have two allopexes. I just built my second one. Um, but then I bought the new box um, to get two more. So I have two um, needing to be built, and then I got to paint the last three. So I'm definitely working towards this list, and this is one that I'm I'm super excited to play on the channel. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I can see um, it in your face. I can see it in your face. Yeah. You're so excited to run this list. So if oh, you yeah. are interested in seeing this list and you want to see it in action, uh, Seasons of War on YouTube, awesome battle reports, very good, very tactical as well. And uh, they do explain what they do and why they do it. So go give them a sub right now. Go check it out. You will see this list coming hopefully by Christmas. I'm going to put pressure on you. Yeah, uh, sounds pressure on you. We're going to get a Christmas battle reports with this list uh, in play. Perfect. I'll commit to it uh, here and now. So, so I'll have the four sharks ready, and we'll do a Christmas special. Um, Love it. I, I'm actually playing the first list in a battle report uh, tonight. Um, so, filming it tonight, so that'll be up at, uh, either next week or the week after. Um, so, the first list we'll see kind of the the more aggro style um, offensive builds uh, with the with the on. So, that'll be coming soon too. Love it. Um, and. You've obviously got the Leviathan. We talked a little bit about the Leviathan. We talk about the extending of uh, the reason you've taken the carapace is because it extends the the drum from 12 to 15. And obviously that becomes really important because you did lose a little bit of movement in the War Scroll update. So keeping up with your fast moving sharks is going to be a and your and your eels is going to be a little bit harder. So by ex extending that cover range to 15 inches, um, is it wholly within or is it just within? Holy within. Uh, Holy within. So keeping up within holy within 15 with a very fast moving army, I can see the benefits there to give that that additional um, plus one to save. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of interesting things. And like I was saying, if, this is a completely different build style that we didn't have before of going more defensive control. I think honestly, you can even look at dropping the soul scryer um, and, and even adding you know an eidolon in here, you know. Dropping, dropping some other stuff. You, you, there's so many options now. The the real struggle with Deep Canal is is choosing what you know what toys I want to take in each list because I want everything. And obviously, you can't take everything. Um, Welcome to Cities of see, Sigma. Yeah, you're Welcome gonna have to Cities of Sigma. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So so you'll see more balance. You'll see more varied lists. I've I've played with, you know, my my first test uh, um, with the with the new stuff. I have Battle Report up. Um, I was running, you know, an Achillean King, the Eidolon, a Leviathan, um, Thralls, Defensive Eels, a Shark, and, you know, and Morsar. So I, I did have everything. And realistically, um, while, you know, I only had six, you know, two units of three Morsar in that, which, you know, in terms of the competitive, you know, meta is unheard of. I was, you know, between the, between the Shark, or sorry, the, the uh, Turtle and the Eidolon, um, 
I was never lacking for damage, right? And and even the de defensive eels, when they're plus one to wound, they have a good volume of attacks where they're getting you know a good amount of uh, attacks in and, and damage through potentially. So, and what's great as well is the Archelian Corp, which I think we're going to see more of now. Yes. Um, because I think I think twelve months ago, sharks were a hard sell, turtles were a hard sell, and things like the Archelian Corp, while it sounded good people it was just too much of a tax in some people's minds because they just want to run eels but when you look at the achillean corp and the rules are all right you know once per phase you can re-roll a hit wound save run or charge mm -hmm. roll uh if they're within 12 of the leviathan so it makes that rule center power um giving a whole bunch of additional buffs as well as the buff it's already giving but it it, it encompasses the one leviathan it's two to four uh ishlan guard so achillean guard sorry and the Alapex as well, one to two Alapexes. Uh, sorry, it's it's two to four guard, uh, Achillean guard, one to two Alapexes. So um, that basically covers most of this army. Like this it's, is a pretty low yeah. drop army. It's amazing. And so I've I've actually been running Achillean core. That was kind of my competitive build uh, from the end of last year up until really uh, the GHB um, and the introduction of Seraphon, where I needed to be a little more MSU. I felt. Um, it's a great battalion though, and actually Domhain, um, the subfaction, increases it from four units of Morsar to six units of Morsar. So you can actually go more MSU with your eels. You can have six units um, and still be a three drop. Again, you know, three drop is an incredible spot to be. Um, so playing that even even before the turtle and sharks got their buff um, was super viable. Uh, and I, I loved it. And now it's even just way better. So I think you're 100% right. We'll see that a lot more. Yeah. People would just take the one shark and just like, just like, yep, that's yeah. my battalion tax. Yeah. Uh, but now that the sharks are really good, the Leviathan has added value. Um, when I look at, when I look at the lists and I look at this list, I don't see there's a lot of fat. I don't feel like there's a lot of tax. You're taking what you want. You're taking um, a lot of good units. Um, I think the, the thralls in the last list are a little bit of a tax, but in saying that, I still think it's a very good use for them right now. And the last list, the first list, people won't go for the thralls. They will mm -hmm. target everything like your Eidolon. They'll attack the sharks. They'll attack the eels. They'll go for the Tidecaster. Like the thralls will be the lowest of the priority, but they do damage. They yeah. are good objective scorers. They got a six-inch move. They're fast. Um, so, so less offense into them cool like like it's literally no fat i think in both lists uh if you play them correctly mm -hmm. um one one thing that i was really disappointed about and i think uh this is kind of about this list but it's not about this list which is the uh the additional battalion that you got which was that blood hunt battalion and the reason i thought it was disappointing is because you were landlocked into uh one of the other sub allegiances yeah. you had to landlock into is it uh which which was i think, sorry, it, I think it was iron rock yeah, I rock. Yeah, um, that was the one that you locked into, and yeah. maybe, maybe maybe a little bit of context. Maybe you can give to us what why would you would you take this battalion? Would you go into this sub allegiance, or do you think that this sub allegiance is just um, sub optimal to like Dom Hain and Futhan? I largely, yeah, I think the sub allegiance is just too um, much of a, a sacrifice for the battalion. The battalion is interesting but it's not groundbreaking. So what it does is it allows you to kind of have some shark, uh, sharks be an entourage for your Achillean King. 
and that's keyword Italian team. So that could have been Volturno's, I believe. But again, it's um, only an Iron Rock. But uh, what they do is they actually, it lets you pass wounds off from your Italian King to the Sharks, which just makes, again, you know, Volturno's or your Italian King, if you're doing that kind of a build where you really want him to survive for the command ability, gives you 16 extra wounds, if not more, to pass off to. Um, so that's huge. Um, if you're really relying on that, I don't think it's necessarily one that even if you could take it, you would see pop up too much in the meta, but it's interesting. Maybe you want to take it just, just for that reliability and you don't want to have to take, you want to lower drops, but you don't want to have to take a, the Italian core and a Leviathan or something. Literally what I'm about to say is that you don't want to go the turtle. You don't want to go down the, uh, the Killian corp route, but you do want to get your extra CP, the extra artifact. Mm. Um, and you were already going to take your Killian King and, you know, two sharks. So at least even one shark, you know, if they one shark, it's a pretty cheap Italian, mm -hmm. uh, taking two things. Yeah. So, uh, no, this is, this is great, man. I, I, I'm liking it. This is, uh, I did, I did a talking deep kin about a couple of months ago, at a, you know, with someone who did the best at CanCon and the amount of people who just commented going, boo, eels, boo, like, this is not interesting. Um, when I look at these, both of these lists, they are interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I think th there's a lot of questions like what what would this list look like with Reavers? What would this look like with other particular battalions? But I think for myself, when I look at this discussion, um, there's a lot of cool things that you've brought to the table that people are either going to be inspired to go and buy or maybe they've bought the, the Battle Force box or they've bought something in the past that they've now got an excuse to put on the table and feel competitive. Um, and we are talking competitive here. Yeah. If you want to be like me and want to run four turtles and put a bandana on them and call them uh, the four ninja turtles and somehow convert your Eidolon into Master Splinter, that's cool. Be narrative, be fun. Um, but if if not, um, like, whatever. Do, you do you. Yeah. Um, At, if you don't mind me going off. Yeah, go, Just please. as a, a quick... Um, Kind of follow up talking about other battalions just as a, a quick one to highlight like and and about the reavers in particular i think namardi Corps is is way more viable than it was before which is a battalion you take you know some thralls you take some reavers uh and one of the foot heroes you could just take that build out that list throw in a an um a leviathan for plus one to save and plus one to hit to all your reaver or all your namardi throw in a um an eidolon uh for the plus one to wound then all your Namardi are on basically twos and twos, potentially re-rolling ones. Um, and you 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 could be as low as a three drop in that list. That's like, man, that's something I'm excited to explore too. I, that, like Namardi are what made me fall in love with this army. Like the Thralls, the Reavers, they're just such beautiful models. Um, so I, that's what really realistically, again, got me started uh, with, with uh, Deepkin. Um, so again, just another build that you know, people talked about kind of Namardi spam before um, as a, but nobody ever really did it. But now that actually could have legs and be a, th yeah. you know, a three drop. Like that's pretty wild. Uh, so another yeah. fun thing to explore. The only thing to remember, guys, is that your Namardi are on 32 mil bases. I know it's been a big gripe of the community. They're on 32s and they've only got one inch attack. So um, I think that's been one of the big hindrance to thralls is that, you know, you just can't take a big block and get them into combat. You, you, you get a lot of redundancy. Um, if there was a two-inch weapon, different story. Yeah. But I think you're right. There's at least more viability in taking thralls, at least as you've built a couple of small units. At minimum, yes. a couple of either backfield holders, 
whether they are running up on the side and just being a destruction kind of effects or yeah. never what I thought I'd call a thralls a distraction kind of effects. But you can't ignore them. Like they go in, if you if you ignore them, they can do some damage. If you target them, lol, you're not shooting at the other things that are really juicy. So it's like win-win. Yeah, for sure. Two two final questions. By the way, hello, dog. Yeah, he's been he's been attacking me uh, for the past fifteen minutes. Does the camera tilt a little bit. I'm a I am I am a big dog father. So, uh, yeah, so so this I is um yes th yeah this is Maverick. Uh, he is ten months old. Uh, he's ninety pounds. Uh, so he's a, he's a big little boy. And then actually down here we also have um this is uh, Zelda. Uh, she's she's our Sorry, she's a, yeah. <laughs> he closed my mic, but uh, so we have two dogs, and yeah, they're uh, this one's a big hooligan, ten months old, crazy ninety pound puppy. Oh, amazing, my dog. Uh, my dog's in the other room at the moment. He's a little bit sick and coughing, so he's uh, he's gonna be away from the mic. This is amazing. Best end of stream ever. Uh, big fans of the co the community's going wild for your dogs right now. Oh, yeah, uh, bring us back home. Bring us back home. I got two questions. One came from the chat earlier. And they, they were a Lumineth player asking, uh, with the new War Scroll updates, are there any units that you might consider bringing into a Lumineth army um, from Deepkin as an ally? Yeah, there are a number. Um, realistically, you could you could really make a case for almost anything except for Reavers. Um, but like uh, the Sharks here, you know, the, the pile-in mechanic, it could be great with, with uh, Lumineth as well. Now, Lumineth doesn't care as much about taking a hit because they're a little more resilient than Deepkin, uh, but still great just for limiting uh, the opponent's output and, and you know tying stuff and, up and whatnot. Um, so yeah, definitely some play there with Allopexes. You can fit three in a you know in a list with al as allies, um, but then you still have your you know kind of Morsar, Ishley, and Dar are good. Uh, maybe alternatives to. Dawn Riders because you know they do have the benefit of fly, maybe a little more uh, output on the charge from the Morsar. So um, that that's definitely play. Um, also worth worth noting, I tested out a, a while back. I ran a Soul Scryer and 20 Thralls as allies, um, which gives you 20 bodies deep striking off the edge in a Lumineth list. That's their big weakness, right? Like they don't have they don't have anything that can you know get around, teleport, and, and deep strike. So you can literally ally in those three, um, put the two units of 10 thralls in the in the ether sea with the soul strier, get plus three to charge. If you do the units separate, good chance one of them's making it, even if without a command point reroll. Um, and and on the charge, you know, before they get hit, they they can dish out the damage like we talked about. Could be, yeah, the, the thralls could be, by the way, to be able to say that very professionally while juggling two dogs, especially one that's seeking your attention right now, is just like 10 out of 10 content creator. You are a true master of your craft. Uh, yeah, I'm like focused. Yeah. Bring, bringing those, you know, bring, bringing those thralls in as an ally could be really great to protect, let's say, a techless or protect any particular really important thing because once you get towards techless, those thralls are just going to do absolute carnage to, to their opponent. I think the Alapexes, you know, especially with their additional speed now at 14, could be awesome. You know, they could support your Dawn Riders. At the same time, it could support my City of Sigma Pistoliers. It could support, uh, you know, uh, anything. Like, they're really they're, they're fast. At minimum, you just get units of one and just they kind of, like, annoy the board, tie people up, use the net. 
there's a lot of versatility. I think um, Deepkin as an ally is underutilized. And now that the, some of the points have dropped, uh, now that uh, we've had some war score rewrites and not all of the rules are now inherent in the Allegiance ability, we've got some cool stuff happening. Um, I think they're very viable to, to be considering in your sure. ally pool. Yeah, definitely. Last question, and I'll let you go handle the dog's wrap-up work. This has been really cool, Jordan. I, uh, I'm glad we got through the end on the stream. Um, last question I've got for you, mate, is from all of your experience playing with this army, and you have been playing diverse armies, you just haven't been running eel spam, and you know your channel definitely has shown that off. What have you learned over your time that maybe someone who's picking up this book and maybe maybe they've seen Broken Realms and they're now thinking, oh, I've been playing X before and now I really want to start a deep kin army. What, what have you learned over your time and your experience in your games that maybe isn't as obvious as, as the battle tomes or, you know, maybe unlocked potential? That dog is just off the charts. Yeah. I love it. I love it. 10 out of 10. I want a doggo stream. Uh, let's let's book it in with your two dogs. Just the two dogs, not you. But For sure. Final thoughts. What are the things you've learnt that aren't as obvious uh, to the first person picking up this book? Yeah, I would just say um, big things are to try to just look past uh, what everyone's talking about with the with the damage output and and uh, kind of oppressive aggressive nature. I I've always kind of played Deepkin as a control army. Again you need to kind of get over the fact that your stuff's going to die because it will die. But you, with deep in and your movement and flying, you have the option to choose when and where things die. And you can use them, you can sacrifice units to you know, hold up uh, a big um, you know, unit of Hearthguard Berserkers or, um, or different things for a turn or two. So really just being conscious of like where and when you're sacrificing things and, and where you're forcing your, forcing your opponent to spend their effort and their attention and they're big units because again, you control stuff with movement. You can control a lot of the board with movement and um, your positioning, but then you can also, you control shooting natively. So it gives you, you know, just a lot of control uh, kind of depending on what your opponent's trying to do and you can really mess with their game plan. So. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. I think you're right. Like I think there's a balance of um, being offensive and, just throwing your stuff up the board yeah. and getting them to die too early. I think, you know, you're very trigger happy. You want to get the charge in. You want it to happen so desperately, but it's a dance and you're going to pull back, you're going to hold off uh, and just wait for that right moment. And often the tides dictate the terms of battle. At the same time as well, I've seen a couple of deep kin players be be dictated by it and they just mm -hmm. hold back because they want the turn three. But because I know that turn three or turn two, if you flip the tide, um, because I know that's so important to you as, as an opponent, I'm going to go straight for you and I'm going to try to disable you because yep. you are waiting till turn three or turn two or to generate X amount of command points to then, you know, use your Achillean King. So I'm going to go alpha on you. So sometimes the best decision is to uh, not play to the tides, but actually do what is happening on the table and play yep. the game. Um, exactly. that's the thing I've learned from Deepkin. Cause I'm like, cool. If you can't flip the, and that's one of the questions I always ask my Deepkin player, can you flip the tide? And if you can't flip the tide, sweet. It means I've got two rounds to do mass damage, to pin you in, to shoot off your characters, to mortal wound things, to just, just buff up my army in preparation for turn three. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and yeah, Deepkin, that's their thing. If you can get into them on your terms, 
uh, that's where they start to fall apart pretty quick. Yeah, you'll have a bad time against again, you know, you turn one charging, you know, again, I mentioned earlier. Um, how, how have you gone with catapults? Have you played OBR catapults yet? Because they are, you know, Mortis Praetorian are coming up in the meta and Special K is yeah. doing some super buffs to those five damage catapults. And obviously a lot of damage output, but also obviously your shooting rules come into play. Have you had an opportunity to play against that type of build yet? Yeah, a number of times. And just getting to control what they're shooting at is huge. So uh, again, Ishley and Guard sitting in cover on a three up. Um, they're gonna, you know, the, the catapults don't have run to begin with, but it's, you know, I'm choosing them to shoot at my tankiest unit. Um, so that's great. Also, if you like ally in something like um, Aether Wings from Stormcast are a great ally for, um, for Deepkin. So if you ally something like that in, making a catapult shoot at a unit of aether wings for a turn is really frustrating for obr players because and because they ignore line of sight um and obviously that comes into play as well with your lumineth wardens the shooter guys the sentinels yeah. of the wardens sentinels. Where, where sentinels. The, yeah sentinels are the shooters the wardens are the spears um same deal you know they ignore line of sight they do you know their their um shooting attack is like 30 like their threat range is the closest to 40s uh but being able to dictate what's being shot at um is, is pretty pretty powerful and i like the idea of bringing in something really cheap like those 40.8 wings um so yeah. cheap oh they're they're incredible I, yeah i, I was mean, running those things for 50 points i thought they were incredible value i thought i'd rather take that than a command point at 50 points when i was running yeah. tempest eye very fast army just having just straight up you know even just being able to seize an objective early for 50 points i was was worth its weight in gold uh but now that they've gone down to 40 points um and i'm sure there's some pretty cool conversions you could also i've seen some like manta ray type you so, know yeah, uh, yeah that's what i did yeah that's sweet yeah, it's yeah. cool conversion or maybe it was yours that i saw it's pretty cool conversion you're like it's fine all right Jordan, this has been awesome. Has there any, any final thoughts, anything um, you want to share about the list before you give your, yourself and your channel a shout out? Uh, people have been asking in the chat where to find you. You are Seasons of War. Uh, we might have to get you back on to talk about Canada ETC and maybe the For Canada sure. scene. That might be something we've awesome. uh, been doing some of these shows recently. They seem quite popular. Um, but yeah, like any final thoughts and then you want to kind of give yourself a shout out and where people can find more and kind of see these battle reports, the two lists. Uh, yeah, just obviously, uh, just super happy, obviously, about what deep pin changes and kind of adding more versatility and utility and flexibility. Getting to see, you know, play different builds is super exciting, as well as obviously for our opponents, everyone's happy to see uh, kind of more more uh, diversity on the table. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you can find, uh, you know, the channel, YouTube, Instagram is Season of War or Season of War. Um, and then actually, just with you mentioning, um, uh, the Canadian ETC team. So this year, or, or 2021, uh, we're as a, a country planning to put our first uh, Canadian ETC team uh, forward for that. And so we're in the application process right now, which is uh, on until December. So if there's any you know Canadians interested in, in kind of learning more and playing for the team, or, or uh, throwing their name in the hat, um, you can head over to seasonofwar.com. I have a page up there with all information for applying and whatnot. Um, and there's a few of us who were trying to organize it last year who are uh, kind of overseeing and uh, organizing it this year. So that's yeah. great. 
And for anyone who doesn't know, the ETC, while I talked about it last night or yesterday, depending on where, where you are in the world, on uh, down under Sigma, the ETC is the European Team Championship. It has a long history of wargaming. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles had a long, illustrious career with ETC. Uh, it really only resumed last year, I think it was, Age Sigma. Um, Age of Sigma had its first event. I know Australia is sending their first team uh, for Age of Sigma, uh, Canada. So uh, check it out. It's going to be one of those uh best of the best kind of team mm. formats it's like six on six i think it is uh it'll be very sweet uh, i may or may not have leaked that i'm considering applying for the coach role in 2022 so uh yeah. maybe maybe nice. it's either that or america i thought <laughs> the coach can be the coach i think that would be quite meta yeah. it would be, it'd be on brand it'd be on brand don't worry, don't worry about spending thousand dollars to go play play in europe let's 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 be the coach and just be the coach and yeah. just laugh um jordan thank you very much for your time i really enjoy these lists i am invigorated to play against idk and i've been very very critical of them just because i'm sick of playing the same list it's just like a little bit of spice early on there was a lot of cool stuff happening this has been this two-year lull of nothing just eels and just rotating defense and offense mm -hmm. now seeing thralls now seeing sharks now seeing turtles now seeing just other things, the 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 eidolon of the storm. Um, I'm excited to go out and see how these all come play out. Oh, but yeah. you've got the dogs to handle; they want your attention. <laughs> you need to uh, walk. Yep. Oh, yeah, I took mine for a walk just before we kicked off. So, uh, but I haven't eaten my Vegemite toast yet, so I'm going to go <laughs> eat that. It's stale. Jordan, thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys, mate. How good was that video? Surely it's going to go straight to the pool room. If you enjoyed that video, I would appreciate it if you crush that like button and if you have an opinion, leave it in the comment section. That lets YouTube know it's a great video and it should share it with other Age of Sigmar players. Cheers to all the bloody legends here on the screen who have financially supported AOS Coach on Patreon on YouTube members. Their contributions have helped me improve the quality, frequency and the variety of content on this channel. So cheers guys, you are bloody legends. Until the next video, don't forget to shoot the heroes and have a good one.